Bonjour. Bonjour. You're not on the right microphone. Uh, I'm recording the right one, so that's really the important part. Yeah. Just be like good if it didn't sound like you were in a car. How about now? That's significantly better. I one of one of these days we'll we'll fix that. One of these days Skype will just keep the settings from last time, but no. No. No, that's just not what it does. It's not a it's not a audio video communications thing. It's it's just a mystery why I can't do it. Uh, anyway, oh we should have uh we should have answered the phone like we were both Kens and we could talk about which Ken we were. Oh. Sh- sure. Which Ken are you? Or are we or are we is this our beach off here? I mean, I think I'm an Allen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. You, you have your entire imagination to work with because it's Barbie and Ken, and you think you're an Allen. Well, I'm not uh, Ken made or Mer Ken or whatever that is that John Cena is doing. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I am not uh, Sugar Daddy Ken. Um, or uh, it's sugar's daddy yes sugar's daddy sugar sugar being the dog uh yeah i don't i don't know i'm not simulu because i'm not i don't know adversarial in that manner uh and i'm not any of the other kens because they all kind of just didn't do anything hmm mm. 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 i like that they're all individually credited as just ken like that they're not even they don't have any uh, additional adjectives to their name. Yeah, well, in the fortunately for all of us, uh, in the real world, uh, the uh, the people at Wikipedia said no, none of that funny business, and they said like physicist Barbie and lawyer Barbie, and oh, did they? Yeah, they're, they're just like we're going to say what these things are. Um, although they talk about Scott Evans being stereotypical, Ken, but I was just like. <sighs> I know he's supposed to be in the movie, but when did I see Scott Evans in the movie? I don't even remember seeing Scott Evans in the movie. Uh, I just saw him here in the credits. Um, what? Who? Who is who's Scott Evans? Chris Evans' gay brother, who's on a soap opera. What? I'm not making any of that up. This is, this is all 100% real. Right. Uh, yeah. Do, uh, rather than asking why you know so much about him, uh, what what soap opera is he on? Well, that's the part that I don't know. That's why I said the soap opera, because I, I mm. don't actually have the information at hand. Um, mm. he, he, it's safe to say that Scott Evans is the less popular Evans uh, in the group of Evanses. I wonder if it's does like... That inclu- does that include Robert Evans? Uh, sure. Well, I, I wonder if it's like a, a, a Baldwin thing. Like, how many are there? Um Oh, Evans's is? Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a Baker's Dozen Hemsworth's, so why wouldn't there be Evans's is also? Yeah. No, it looks like he is just the younger brother of Chris Evans. Stereotypical Ken, huh? It doesn't... I, more more like not in the movie, Ken. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> when, when was he there? Um, but uh, whatever. Um yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's a uh, is casting probably is a place we could start, I guess, uh, with this. But first, one thing, uh, you didn't you didn't uh, update your letterbox, you coward. Uh, so what did you think of the movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, I 
as with many things these days, um, I uh, I gave it a mental ranking and then forgot to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I believe we have. Uh, there's your photo of um where Scott Evans was in the movie. Um, I believe we've discussed in the past that I have a a slightly bespoke uh like there's a reason for my 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 ratings the 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 curve that I grade on, um but on my grading scale uh this movie is a four out of five. Yes, well, fortunately, that is the rating scale that Letterboxd uses, and my my rating was also a it was a four out of five. Um, because nice. well, to, for clarity, my uh, just to remind everyone, mm-hmm. my rating scale is uh, three is fine, three and a half is better than fine, four is good, four and a half is a very good movie, and five is either unreasonably good or something that is just deeply personal. Yeah, this is this is good. It's not really good, but it's good. No. Um, yeah. and so I, th- I think that that is important. I think there were uh some people. Um, let's just say the person I went to go see the movie with who were expecting maybe it to be a five because of how much everyone was in love with it. Well, I have more, I guess, realistic expectations of movies um, and and thought that it would probably be good. And so I was satisfied with that. And uh, well, the person I saw the movie with was was upset um, that it was not uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. And I was like, well, that's just uh, it's not a metric to measure movies against really um barbie, barbie and star go to vista del mar <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean um hype aside like mm-hmm. i don't know how it's a barbie movie i don't know how you were expecting it to be a five let alone i mean uh barbie and star is silly and funny but this movie also had, had a good amount of laughs in it i thought yeah me too uh but apparently um he was also grumpy about like the person next to us laughing uh in a way that annoyed him um and then mm. also dropping the popcorn in the movie and he'll never go to a movie theater ever again and how terrible was it and what a dump we went to and blah 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 um so uh i would say maybe there were some environmental factors when he was watching this that uh sure. he probably should have been like two glasses of red wine in on a plane uh airplane seat back watching this one <laughs> watching it on mute yeah i think <laughs> on somebody else's tv i think that would have been better for him um but uh it, what, what did amanda think they, they say the uh the atmosphere the uh whatever it is about the air in the airplane also uh adds to your emotional state yeah and the covid um but wh- how was your uh, uh your your viewing partner experience <laughs> Uh, it was good. She she enjoyed it mm-hmm. um, quite a bit, uh, potentially more than I did because of the you know the messages of uh, female empowerment and things mm-hmm. um, that I think worked for her. Uh, so but, you know, so it was, maybe more of a four point five for Amanda. You would think. I I don't know that she actually rates movies in that way, but yeah, mm-hmm. sure, why not? Um, she 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 liked it. She got a little teary eyed at the end there. Um, you know, yeah, it's she she enjoyed it. Yeah, and that's fine. I like that. Re- recommend to friends and family or whatever. Yeah. And um, thank you for sending me this photo from IMDb uh, that purports to have Scott Evans in the background of this one shot holding a surfboard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Question mark. Uh, I, okay. <laughs> See, this, this photo is from scott evans page on imdb oh. when you're looking through his photos that's the one that comes up which is just very funny oh uh, man i don't i wonder 
if he got cut or reduced in some way because it didn't like work well in the edit or something like because that's not enough to bill that someone's in a movie i mean he got one of these uh like posters too i mean so, didn't like although he looks like seth rogan in this photo to be honest it looks like billy eichner and oh, bros oh okay he's uh he's in the dance line too but he's all the way frame right which is why nobody saw him uh yeah i this doesn't count you don't get you don't get to talk about being in the movie he's an extra uh, well i mean he's there he's uh he's in the foreground well mid-ground ish yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand that one. Um, you take away his credit. He, yeah, I mean, he could be credited in the movie, but I feel like he was on a lot of, like you said, the poster, uh, and then also in like whatever that was in the trailer where they listed like a thousand names of all the you won't believe the star power of this movie, and it's like he there's nothing he does here, but he he's heavily credited. Um, but whatever, this dude's name is Kingsley. Uh, Kingsley Benadir um, is the is basketball Ken. Um, so I think. Oh, is that is that which Ken he is? Apparently, basketball. I don't remember there being basketball. No, that doesn't make any sense because Wikipedia has him credited as that, but he was the one that was in the the wasn't he the one that was in the lifeguard tower? Uh, yeah, because he was actually lifeguard Ken, or yeah, he was lifeguard Ken, whereas Ryan Gosling's Ken is beach Ken. Um, hmm. or something. This is kind of confusing, wow. really. Wikipedia, come on. Oh, that was Dua Lipa. I um, mm-hmm. I thought I recognized her, but I didn't know why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dua Lipa as uh, Miriam Barbie, um, and also uh, heavily featured in uh the music uh, of the movie, as well as the trailer uh that uses the music from the movie. Um, so you know, it's fun. Seemed like there was also an extraordinary amount of Lizzo. Yeah, well, I mean, just that beginning part, and in all fairness to everyone involved, that was before people accused her of uh, in, imprisoning her dancers and stuff. I guess I missed uh, a lot of that. I saw there was a controversy, but I didn't have the energy to see what it's it was. It's not worth us going into that at the moment. Okay, it feels like great. it is ongoing, um, and the details are murky um but mm. uh but anyway yeah we'll wait till they unseal the indictment yes yes so many unsealed indictments um but uh it, 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 this movie has a, has a pretty robust cast and uh i think a lot of that probably is also uh you know margot robbie uh she's a draw um and i think she's also pretty convincing as your as your person to pitch um to other people that they should be in the movie um so yeah, this kind of started was, with her right like she had the mm-hmm. she was the original attachment that brought on greta gerwig and all the other people well yes and no she's the original attachment of this incarnation of making this movie um this movie has been trying to be made since 2009 <laughs> but it was different uh it was just the the intellectual property of barbie as licensed by mattel to various parties um and then them all kind of not doing good jobs at that Mm. and then it reverting to mattel and then another executive being brought in different ceo and they uh both said hey you know what margot robbie kind of looks like barbie uh and we like her 
she th- we think she's she's got spunk um and so they they picked her um and then she like you said uh, is the one who uh recruited uh Greta Gerwig um basically because she really liked Greta Gerwig's uh little women um and Greta Gerwig wanted to do it but only if Noah Baumbach could be her writing partner uh who is her real life romantic partner um and so they wrote it together and margot robbie like loved what they were doing and there was some stuff with that and then the ceos of mattel were like you know we don't get it but (laughs) but you know it, it would be better to do this and take a risk than to play it safe and so to their credit shocking that they would come to that conclusion to be honest yeah, I mean, un- unlike the CEO depiction by Will Ferrell in the movie, um, they 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 are they seem to have identified that they themselves don't understand what cool is, but that they trust other people to be cool. So that that seems to have been what facilitated this to happen because it, it is exactly it is a piece of intellectual property that does all the branded stuff it's supposed to do while also being very subversive of that brand and also of just like society in general and um, some subversive jokes and commentary and stuff that is really, you know, aimed at adults like a six year old watching this movie or something because they like Barbie to play with their Barbies. Like, I don't think they'd really get it. You know, there were so many like eight and 10 year old girls in our movie theater. Um, and they enjoyed it. And then they just tuned out for the last like 20 minutes. Yeah. I think that last 20 minutes is probably pretty tough. Um, but, uh, you know, third acts are hard. Uh, I still liked the third act, but, uh, I understand the, the criticism of it. I think the, the part where a lot of people get lost is that, that monologue that America Ferrera has to deliver. Um, where it's just like talking about all the sort of like obvious problems um, of the expectations that are placed upon women in society. Uh, And as someone in the audience who is aware of those things, it is not exactly like insightful, but at the same time, I forget what it was. Uh, there was a tweet that went around the other day that was passed around to me. Finally, it like made the rounds and then across the internet and the sea and everything to get to me because I'm not on Twitter, but, uh, or X, um, which is, you know, another mistake a CEO could make, but the, uh, that was, a Oh, well, the, the reason why people don't get that, uh, how that makes sense is because people think of it as, she's talking to the audience, whereas she's actually talking to the Barbie in the movie and not you who has a gender studies degree. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, Barbie I get is unfamiliar with these concepts and she needs, she needs the awakening. Yeah. And I, I understand that. However, at the same time, this movie is aware that it is a movie. It is self-referential and meta and acknowledges that it's a movie and that it does talk to the audience. So to have a large monologue like that in here is a little clunky. Um, in that it doesn't take the opportunity to like hang a lantern on the fact that these are obvious things that it's saying that are being said by America to uh, Margot uh, about the, the situation. Um, but uh, you know, they, whatever it's like not that big of a deal, but it is just like the one, the one thing where it's just like, eh, there's a little, little more work on that. But like 
the movie is genuinely pretty funny and in places that you wouldn't expect it to be about stuff that wouldn't really even merit, you know, kind of cracking jokes about um like the horse thing so many horses i didn't understand the horses but it was just great <laughs> at a certain point you're just like yeah bring on the horses uh and I, I i really appreciated that also wanting to make barbie land into ken land which would be just like century city um <laughs> i bet you were, i bet the locals really appreciated that one didn't they that went over well in our audience um but uh because and and truth be told i actually kind of like century city but uh wow. yeah wow. I, i'm maybe i'm not an alan maybe i am again but uh no it, it is one of those situations where it's just like there's a lot of like funny stuff that's in here uh where it's just like little jokes and things that are that are a good time um that are not strictly speaking about the patriarchy but do do poke fun at um sort of the inclinations of our of our world um to to do or say or be certain ways yeah i I find the Mm -hmm. the movie humorous yeah i also find it funny um (laughs) but uh it's a it's a it's a it's a weird mix of uh there's Mm -hmm. a lot of silly Mm -hmm. uh like a lot of silly um, I don't know if anything, you know, the, uh, it's a tightrope that they have to walk between the silly and the, uh, um, you know, the thematic stuff, the discovery, the, the commentary to make sure it actually makes its way through. Like Will Ferrell do his, doing his big CEO rant about, um, how offended he is at the idea that he doesn't, you know, love and support women or whatever, the sport of all men. <laughs> um, it's very funny and silly, but then when you're looking for that, like, extra level of depth to it you're like wait is there one here or is there where we just like we're just loudly saying the thing that people don't say but you know it's yeah. it's it's there if you're looking for it i guess but you don't need well it. i mean that's a subversive thing is like it, it is actually true like mattel's run by a guy uh and there was <laughs> there was one ceo who was a woman <laughs> in the 80s and then maybe another, another one, one that i can't remember mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was pretty good and it's 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 true so it's funny um so that's or at least it's true enough that i believe it i, I didn't actually research the ceo history of mattel um but uh it, it was enjoyable um ruth handler's ghost not huge on um i do like seeing rhea perlman uh but it didn't i wasn't entirely sure how it all like fit in um exactly except that she you know meets her creator yeah uh, i know those scenes need a little bit of air around them for them to actually like register and land as emotional but they mm-hmm. they they really kind of i mean for me they they felt like they slowed to a crawl a bit then again, those scenes maybe not necessarily for me because you know i'm a horse loving dude yeah yeah we believe in the patriarchy on this podcast i guess um but uh we're just looking for our yeah. own can identities yeah in our mini fridges um they're so small (laughs) i feel like half a six pack in there or whatever he says yeah the freezer doesn't doesn't work (laughs) do anything at all (laughs) yeah well basically i I like the part where he said you know once he found out the patriarchy didn't really have anything to do with horses he kind of lost interest Mm -hmm. (sighs) mm-hmm sublime no but um 
Yeah, it's a it's it's a fun movie and I like it. And I think it's one of the things that has going for it is also uh, uh, a really good sense of style and design. Yeah, production um, design is fantastic. It's out of this world, uh, l- literally, I guess. But uh, it is uh, very unique in that uh, it is a place that's not real, uh, but is not a fictional place that's supposed to be believable in any way um it is a is whereas like uh if you were in a fantasy setting you'd be like oh well how do these people eat and they'd like dress up some food stuff and they'd have like a well and things and water would be coming out of it and here it's just like no there's a plastic decal of the pool um like quickly they established that the uh the like bagel and butter are fake and then she never she doesn't pour anything into her glass and just kind of mimics drinking it's like yeah this is this is playtime world yeah, I, I like when she goes to take a, a drink in the real world for the first time and she just douses herself in water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when um, she eventually tries to drink the tea. Mm-hmm, very carefully. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Like, I think they did a good job um, with with that, with making it feel believable. Um, there was a little bit of a... Uh, one of those unfortunate marketing things um, where I wouldn't put it on Greta Gerwig, but I think it's one of those things where... She makes some comments about how they did it like they did in the old days where you'd build the sets for a musical and and you'd use that, Um, which is true that they built sets and stuff. But uh, there are also set extensions and digital things in here. I was wondering how long Um, it was going to be before we got into the uh, summer of no CGI conversation. Yeah, this unfortunately fell victim to that narrative, uh, which is sad um and and like i said i don't know that i necessarily fault her with saying it as much as i fault people who would choose to take her comments about building the set out of context yeah no i have Um, i have some questions and some thoughts on this mm -hmm. this matter um mostly because of christopher nolan but um uh are we at the point now where uh filmmakers are saying things uh potentially accurately and specifically but because the public doesn't know enough or care enough, they're just kind of like misunderstanding it. And what I'm getting at is when they say there's no CGI, okay, maybe what they're saying is that, you know, we did not create these sets in as, as CG elements, or we did not create these characters as CG elements or whatever. Um, they're not saying there are no visual effects, which is a different thing than CGI if you want to get specific about it. But the public doesn't know the difference between CGI and VFX, so they just think, no computers made stuff. Yeah, well, see, Dan, that's why you want to say synth- synthetic. synthetic. Uh, like our <laughs> like our buddy, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, uh, Todd Vizieri. As featured um, on Corridor, whatever, reviews a movie. Yeah. The, I forget what the, the name of that series is that, that they do. VFX, bad vfx react or something yeah, yeah yeah uh which was very good um yeah i i um previously had negative thoughts towards those people but uh watching the one what they did with todd i was like oh, okay just look fine. at todd don't look at anybody else yeah no stare directly into todd's eyes um also, nobody has the time or the energy to have thoughts about those people you don't have to worry about them no i don't know anything about them but uh the but does it does uh, that make sense like when christopher nolan goes like uh there's no CGI here. Um, he might be saying the explosion is a miniature or something, but but 
dumb people go CGI equal VFX, so no computer touch. Like, is that distinction like too specific on the 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 speaker and too broad on the interpreter? Is that kind of where we are today, or am I just making that up? I I think that in a case in the case of like Barbie, um, it is people misunderstanding. Whereas in the case of Oppenheimer, I think Christopher Nolan has chosen specific words um, because of his, I don't know, distaste for computers. Um, But he ought to know uh, what effect his words have um, because he's a director. uh, And I feel like he has received criticism many times, although in his defense, he doesn't have social media or go online or even read emails. He has an assistant print his emails. So is, it, is uh, that real? Like, is, is he, does he Donald Trump his emails? I can't remember if he still does it, but there was a, some piece somebody wrote a while ago where it's just like, he, he's, he's a total ludite about this stuff where he just, doesn't want anything to do with that computery stuff. Like, is he um, doing it on purpose? Like he's made the choice not to be involved in that world because it feels unhealthy to him? Or is he just like a weirdo? He's a weirdo. Um, it, 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 there is truth to the fact that, you know, social media is not a healthy place, especially if you're someone like very important and very famous. I mean, if you want to, um, you know, be a creative artist and separate, you know, your intent from maybe being shaped by the opinions of people around you, not not an unreasonable thing to say, like, I'm going to avoid the the giant megaphone that is social media that might uh, get inside my head while I'm trying to do my best work. But if you're uh, uh, a guy who's having somebody print out your emails for you, um, there's, 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 there's something wrong with you. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's I don't personally care. Um, I care. It doesn't be a weirdo. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't, no, but it doesn't, it's, that part doesn't affect me. The part that affects me is when he says things that are like sweeping, um, comments about technique or, do you think uh, he doesn't actually know what he's saying then? I, I thought he was being so specific as if to single out, like there are no particular, you know, 3d generated CG elements in this shot. I'm winking and nodding because there is a lot of 2d VFX compositing in here, but I want to say the thing. Uh, that makes it sound like we didn't do stuff. Um, or is he just being a dummy and saying like, nope, computer didn't make the thing. So no computer. I mean, I don't know enough about him personally to know whether or not all of it is intentional or not, but surely someone must have said something to him about how it looks when he says these things, because he does it all the time. Um, so it's not, a one-off occasion or anything it like just that. It feels shocking that he, um, he, that he would have gotten to this level as a director and not know what he's saying. Well, I mean, if you're a Luddite and you don't want anything to do with technology, because um, I remember I had a conversation with, uh, what's his face? Paul, 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 uh, the DNAG guy. Franklin. Uh, Paul Franklin. Thank you. Who does basically all of christopher nolan's effects back when i was on twitter and and it was the what was it interstellar had come out and mm. oh you know it was a which one was it they saved saved the person on the boat um world war ii uh 
Save a person on a boat. I, mean, I don't know. English Channel things. There's an invasion of stuff. World War II. What am I thinking about? Oh, you're th- uh, mm. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like he makes that many movies. Why can't I, I know, remember the name? See all of them. Christopher yeah. Nolan. Uh, and I'm type and I'm clicking. Uh, Dunkirk. Yes, Dunkirk. Okay, so uh, with Dunkirk, he said that it, no, it was none of it was digital, and I was like, how can like that's not true? Because like you'd have to scan in all your film, and your editor would edit the thing, and then you'd print that back out, like the DI, everything like that's it's going to be digital. Like it might have started life as celluloid, but it would be scanned, and then it would be printed, um, and there'd be touched by digital tools and paul franklin said to me uh on twitter that that it was actually true that they the editor um would mark out where they were going to cut the film to join the strips of film together and i was like this is that's what no like that's just not how that i mean before before digital uh dcp type stuff existed like yeah that was the point of avid like you could get your your xml's or not xml's edl's and key codes and stuff out and it would tell you where to cut your film and then you would go assemble a work print that way but to do that now is uh absurd yeah well so he does the absurd um and then anything that required uh manipulation let's say um, anything synthetic uh, that Paul Franklin would work on, like that would be done on that footage on just that one piece of footage and then joined to the rest physically um, as if it was another piece of original celluloid. And it was just like, this is bonkers. Uh, I don't, I don't know why anybody would work that way on purpose. It doesn't I make mean, any sense. Does printing it, <laughs> printing it back out to film and then joining it to a film print is uh again stupid but a thing you could do yeah also i don't know how to say this in a way that's not gonna like sound confusing to people but um when you have a negative an original negative um and you work with that and then you are going to make your you're going to print off of that you're going to generate copies um, any generation of a copy that you make with that analog process is going to degrade Whereas if you have a digital version, um, you're printing straight from that original source every single time, even if you're printing to celluloid or whatever. Um, This is why you have to shoot on IMAX because it's the highest quality. So even with all the quality and generation loss, it's not going to look any worse to people in the theaters. uh, Just so uh, it drives me nuts Uh, because, I mean, really, the thing that like sent me to the roof originally was when he was doing interstellar and it was all that stuff about 70 millimeter IMAX. And it's like, there's just a couple of scenes in the movie, dude, like, cause he couldn't do the whole movie with IMAX. Um, so only parts of it are IMAX. Uh, and it's all like joined together. Um, the highest quality image capture that's ever been invented is I believe what he said in one of the, uh, one of the, what is it like uh, variety interviews or whatever that he was doing with uh who was was it was it Robert Downey Jr. that was with him uh maybe um but it 
that's also disputable too. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he he should meet Steve Yedlin and they should um, fight to the death. <laughs> I mean, who's gonna win <laughs> in that one? Luck, both of them will die. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Steve <laughs> and uh, Christopher Nolan. Actually, Christopher Nolan. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, yeah. We've talked about this before. If you like film because whatever it gets you five steps closer to your look uh right out of the the camera and you don't have to do extra processing or if you just like the ceremony of it all like quentin tarantino or something um and you you enjoy just the process of using film that's fine um but that means you need to um shut the hell up when it comes time for marketing because you don't know what you're talking about unless you want to admit to the world that you like shooting film because you're a weirdo. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not better. And it's not like there's, there's, there's nothing. It it gets muddled in this whole thing. Like in in the interview that I, I, the small clip that I watched, uh, on TikTok because it was broken into nine parts and I only saw one of them. Um, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. asked him like, why, why do you not do CG stuff? Um, and despite what you may have seen in some videos where he said a computer killed his uncle or something, um, <laughs> his actual answer was, uh, you know, for large spectacle stuff, if you're going to go for it, I like to really like go for it and make the real thing, which is an artistic uh, explanation for why you would choose some practical effects over digital effects. But that's getting muddled with this is a better way to do things than that. And, you know, whether or not he's even accurate. Um, so it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's so much of it is boiled down into talking points for interviews that I think there's just so much loss of context and specificity that it just makes him annoying to people who actually know what he's talking about. Yeah, and, you know, to go- and yet people still love to work with him. Yeah. Who was it that was saying? It was Matt David. He was like, the the other clip I saw, did you see Matt Damon talking about how he got the role in this? No. <laughs> he um he was in uh, couples counseling or like marriage counseling, and he made a promise to his wife that he would step away from acting for like a year or something so they could just have some family time, except if Chris Nolan calls. Like that was the asterisk he put on it in therapy with his wife. And then like a, a week later, Chris Nolan called and he's like, well, like, we talked about it and I, I got to go be in a Christopher Nolan movie now. Like that's, that's the level of people want to work with him. So they'll do anything. But, uh, the rest of us, like for actors, maybe it's great to work with for actors. And that's why he keeps getting these, these projects. But, um, I, I, I find him extremely obnoxious. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like you said, I can understand if you were an actor, why it might be more appealing than if you're, somebody who's just on sort of these uh receive the receiving end of these comments because uh while you and i are not in danger of being involved in a christopher nolan movie um we are in danger of being subjected to clients who hear things christopher nolan says and then just regurgitate the stuff um Mm. blindly and i think that's the real detriment with these sorts of things and to circle back to barbie as an example um greta gerwig uh, many years ago when she was doing little women had wanted to shoot with celluloid had wanted to shoot with film and the studio told her no. Um, and she's like, why not? Quentin Tarantino gets to shoot with film. I get to shoot with film too. And it was, you know, you can understand there in that moment that there is a, um, 
there is some sexism at play of like she she wants to do it her way with her tools that she wants to use so let her do it and i support that but at the same time it's like but think about what you're trying to accomplish by doing it like like what the end result is like you could show us all that your digital movie is great um instead of trying to you know prove that you did what quentin tarantino did using film um like barbie's standing on ceremony like Mm -hmm. quentin tarantino like i think 80 percent of quentin tarantino's production is just the vibe he likes to make on set and the way he likes to do things and if that's film fine like he's got his proven track record of being a weirdo and doing weird things on set but getting results like you can't use that as any sort of you're not going to be quentin tarantino sexism or just studio heads aside yeah and when she made barbie like this is shot on film too so uh but it's not a is it It, i thought so the the imdb says it's uh alexa 65 oh i thought i saw somewhere that she got the approval to shoot something with maybe it was not the whole thing i don't know i mean if if it was Alexa sixty five, did it feel like a large format? No, if it, it felt really clean, and that was what yeah. I was gonna say. It was like, if you're gonna clean it up this much, like why bother? And it's like, well, that makes sense. It's cleaned <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, the highest quality digital imaging uh, mm-hmm. that we have available. Yeah, I mean that was what I was gonna say about Christopher Nolan is with the, uh, you know, whole IMAX is the best way to do blah blah blah. It's like, yeah, if you want to like break your camera operator's neck um and not be able to film in certain spots and not be able to capture certain things in certain lighting conditions then yeah sure it's great at capturing images but uh with something like alexa 65 it it is so much more sensitive to light and you have Mm -hmm. such better uh range to capture things and the resolution is there like there's nothing there's no problem with that um so I don't, I don't know. That's one of those things where it's just like, what is going on? I think one of the reasons maybe this didn't feel like a uh, large format is uh, like the production design of Barbie land is all just like slightly miniaturized. So it kind of has like a weird off-putting perspective feeling already, but yeah, I guess this stuff does feel pretty, pretty grand and wide, doesn't it? Yeah. But again, like the houses are, what is this like a third scale i guess i don't know I, I didn't uh follow along with that part oh no i didn't either i was just looking at a picture of it i did like that um since this was prior to the strikes um that they did so much press inside of the barbie land set um where <laughs> they were walking around and showing off things um so i must have missed that where did you see that oh youtube um there's a ton of uh barbie videos that they did vanity fair and some others um and they save the sets like uh, are they going to turn it into like a harry potter's world but barbie land i don't know if they're going to do that um although i think the mattel people said we're going to make a lot of stuff now and it's just like uh that was kind of like not that's not why this works um and yeah like sequels to this or spinoffs they're gonna make all the mattels any any Mattel thing, there's going to be a movie. Oh, what are the um, other Mattels? Is G.I. Joe a Mattel? That's a Hasbro. Oh. Yeah. 
Sure. Yeah, but um, anyway, they're going to... They're the, the, that's just kind of one of those things that they say, I guess, when one of these things hits big. Um, but that's sort of... Uh, I don't know how you capture that again. Because the kind of the magic of this is because it's unexpected and it's subversive. Um, and it hit at just the right time because Warner brothers to spite Christopher Nolan was releasing it on Christopher Nolan day. Um, cause he has a day that he always wants to release his stuff. Um, is that right? Yeah. That's why his all this stuff comes out in, in July. Um, I, how did I, have we gone this far and I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, again, weirdo, total weirdo. Um, but uh he can't wait for his christmas in july movie but uh so he uh comes out at a certain time of every year and christopher nolan um had a very big public departure from warner brothers because they feel like they he, he wasn't supported in tenant um and it's like well Maybe he didn't deserve to be. Maybe, maybe tenants shouldn't have sucked balls. But, um, so the, uh, but, uh, but also he was really mad when, uh, Jason Kalar, the, uh, ex- then CEO of Warner Brothers Media, as it was called back in the day last year, um, or a year, two years ago, um, he got all bent out of shape when they did the day and date release and in, in the fall and winter. Um, because Tenet had been such a disaster, they were not able to convince people to go to the movies. And so they decided instead to grow HBO Max as a service, and they unilaterally announced this without running oh, it past right. anyone. And yeah. so he got all bent out of shape. Um, and it's he's not wrong, because Nolan's not wrong, because making that kind of move uh, really screws up the financial aspect of making these movies. Um, but, uh, his move to go to universal is why, uh, he was releasing his film from universal that day and Warner brothers to spite Christopher Nolan was releasing Barbie that day. Um, Hmm. and then the internet said, wow, one of these movies is hot pink and fun. And the other one is dark and black and brown and it's about nuclear war and let's put these two things against each other and mm-hmm. you know and thus a perfect match was made um and it, i think killian murphy would have made a good ken by the way that would have been something not stereotypical ken like not, no. not or beach ken like he could mm-hmm. be a ken yeah irish ken he's irish right uh yes but uh, uh i just don't I don't know. I I think that they it benefited both films um, that they were able to bounce off of each other like this uh, because it created a, a moment in the zeitgeist where people were talking about these two things. Yeah. Um, and so that was part of the reason why people went to go see them in droves. Um, right. and, and people talk about which one they went to go see. Like somebody emailed me like, did you see this cool thing? I'm like, no, I only, I've only been able to see one movie in years and it's Barbie. He's like, ah, I've only been able to see one movie in years and I saw Oppenheimer. It's like, well, okay. Mm -hmm. You got, uh, you got peanut butter in my chocolate or whatever. (laughs) And, you know, if I never hear Barbenheimer again, I'll be pretty happy, (laughs) I think. 
that kind of that ran its course. Um, we're done with it that. Was a, it was a it was a meme that uh, didn't shoot very high and it flared out pretty quickly. Yeah, unfortunately, it's one of those situations where uh, there are a bunch of Hollywood executives that are going to keep saying that as if it's going to be some sort of thing they can reproduce um, in some way that they're, they're going to manufacture Barbenheimer in a lab. No, I, mm. but, but they don't realize that it's, you know, like the, like the uh, xenomorphs from alien, like you, you can't control it. It is a force of nature. Um, it is a force of the internet. Like uh, the internet decided that Barbenheimer would be a thing, like not an executive from Warner brothers, not an executive from universal um, that it wasn't up to, wasn't up to them. It would not Greta Gerwig, not Christopher Nolan. Um, God, could you imagine Christopher Nolan? Uh, first, first time logging onto Twitter here, I'm going to talk about, uh, Barbenheimer. That's what all the kids are talking about these days. That would have been great as a first tweet. Um, or X or whatever. Do you think he sees a lot of movies? I don't know. He, he seems to see a lot of old movies. Um, but I don't know what his Mm. current opinion of modern films are. That's a good point. Something is somewhere in the, um, in one of those interviews that I saw, somebody asked him about some sort of, I don't know, what kind of movie he was into. And he definitely rattled off two movies that were from like the 40s or 60s. And I thought like, oh, he's just going for the film guy answer. But I think that's probably accurate because uh, for a guy who's not, for for all the things you said, the personality that he embodies currently, he does not strike me as the kind of person who is aware of his surroundings societally like he doesn't know what year he lives in kind of <laughs> thing um but like i don't i don't i don't envision him like a tarantino or like a edgar wright who is like film buff who sees literally every movie that comes out because that's what they do because in some way it's going to inform their creative process like he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy it's like he seems like he was uh he was born at the age of 50 with 17 movie ideas in his head and he's just been slowly working through them before he dies. Yeah. And I'm sure he watched one, exactly one Marvel movie. He said, well, I never, and his monocle popped out and he left the, <laughs> the theater. Um, and, uh, cause he frequently comments, uh, along with many other filmmakers about, about, uh, you know, like our, our, uh, our pal, Martin Scorsese, um, they they say things like oh well you know this marvel stuff is crap and they're not wrong i don't watch the marvel movies these days because i just can't take it anymore um and a lot of people have stopped uh engaging with the media as strongly as they once were mm. um but uh it, it is a situation where um you got to be careful you're not just saying something's crap without um anything to back it up with. And I'm not sure that he is well-versed in modern movies or thinks highly of modern movies. Um, I feel like Scorsese sees a little bit more modern film than Nolan, but not much. mm -hmm. Yeah. Christopher Nolan just seems like if it doesn't come on a 70 millimeter print, he can't watch it in his home. So he just ignores that it exists. Do you think he actually has like a real film projector, a real to real film projector? Absolutely. House? Yes. (laughs) Tarantino does. So there's no reason that Nolan wouldn't. Uh, Of course, you have to have your own projectionist to run that. Wild. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think people like get off a shift at the New Beverly Cinema and they just have to like drive out to uh, go to Quentin Tarantino's house and Christopher Nolan's house to like put the change the reels? No, I'm quite sure Tarantino has a guy that he's worked with for 30 years or something. And uh, that guy will be there until he dies or witnesses uh, Quentin Tarantino committing a murder and has to be murdered himself or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Quentin Tarantino doesn't strike me as somebody who murders somebody as much as it strikes me as somebody who's like, uh, we, we can't talk about that cocaine party that I had. Right. He's got um, dirt on Tarantino, yeah. whether or not it's murder or whatever. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, he knows where the, the bodies are buried. Yeah. Uh, Bur- buried in the snow, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. tapping on the side of my nose right now um but uh it feels like that level yeah. of um i don't even want to call it auteur like because because that sort of encompasses um the actual creative work created by the person but that's sort of like um mm, affectation for affectation's sake kind of like again standing on ceremony when you're talking about making a movie I feel like that's dying with that particular generation of filmmaker. And I think it's probably okay to let it go. Like, it's nice that there are people who are able to remind us what, you know, the performance was all about and, you know, the way movies used to be made because they were, there was, there was a different environment around, you know, a set back then when they, they started doing those sorts of things. But, um, I don't know that we need that stuff anymore. What we need is people who are, you know, well, what we need is a studio system that doesn't beat people down and like drain all creative energy out of them so that we're just recycling the same garbage over and over again. Um, you know, Greta Gerwig did it and it only took a, a multi-year pandemic for her to be able to be isolated with, uh, you know, full creative control of a script to come up with something like Barbie. Um, so how do we, uh, how do we manufacture those sort of circumstances for new filmmakers to allow them to be to allow them to not look at the constraints first and come up with something cool uh, versus just like a celluloid circle jerk or whatever. Yeah. Well, please write down celluloid circle jerk. But uh, the, (laughs) the thing that um, she's got going for her, I think is that uh, she seems to be well-versed in both old and new. Um, which is something that I appreciate uh, in her work. Like she has references in this movie to many old movies. Notably, the movie starts with a reference to 2001, a space odyssey, which is very good and uh, Mm -hmm. incredible that they just basically excised that as the trailer. Yeah. And they, they did a remarkable job. Like it is a reference, but not in like a national lampoon reference kind of way. Like they actually like tried. Um, and so it works well and it's done with taste and class. Um, even though this is about Barbie and you're cribbing from, uh, like one of the best pictures ever or whatever, like on certain people's scale, I know that it puts you to sleep. It's like Valium, but, uh, it, it, it just is, um, some, it, it is a bold move to do. Um, and I appreciate her sensibility and like I said, her taste, um, and that she's able to do that. Uh, and while you said that, you know, those filmmakers are disappearing, the ones who have these strongly held loose, uh, 
uninformed opinions um, about certain things or like uh, superstitions, perhaps would be a better way to say it um, about like certain procedures or tools that can be used or not used. Um, I do kind of uh, feel like some of that does get filtered downward, um, even despite those people like eventually not making things anymore someday um, is that you've got your uh, like JJ Abrams who imitated um, and idolizes uh, Steven Spielberg. And so he shoots things a certain way um, and it is done in a way that is supposed to mimic what he's seen other people do. And uh, that means it's film and it's, you know, done with, certain lenses and you know whatever that kind of thing and it, it, again that it seems like almost superstitious um in a way where you you are doing things because someone else did it that way before um whereas i would contrast that with someone who is very old but may always tries to like change what they're doing which is like sir roger deakins who is a you know, renowned cinematographer. Um, I know that's not the same thing as comparing it to an auteur director, but like auteur directors hire Sir Roger Deakins because he not is Tarantino. Great. He doesn't <laughs> like Roger Deakins. Wait, why? What, what, what happened? Oh, uh, there was some quote I saw him somewhere basically saying people like Roger Deakins like digital because they don't have to light things anymore. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Cameras are sensitive and you just, you don't have to, you don't have to think about the lights. <laughs> that's, but that's not, uh, there, yeah, that's not, that's not how that works. There's um, still lights. You're still shaping yeah. something. I, I think what he was in his dumb way reacting to is the sort of flat, uh, sort of color hue shifted vibe of things that happened for a little while, which I don't think was led by deacons at all if anything i probably got uh mr cronin with the blame for more of that than deacons but anyway um yeah tarantino the, says a lot of dumb things too but he you recognize that tarantino is a psychopath yeah well i mean and then okay just for the audience um there's a difference between lighting and not lighting something like you can light something with exactly the right amount of light and the sources could be practical things on your set because you're trying to get something that is natural feeling yeah like and then there's situations where you're lighting things by blowing things out with like hemis and crap all over the place because yeah. <laughs> your film isn't sensitive enough to record it um, i think that was the other half of the quote that i don't remember at this point he was talking about you know giant condors with 12 K's on them here and there and just, you know, lighting an environment like a whole exterior set, uh, versus just, yeah. Capturing with practicals and natural light and shaping things, uh, which is arguably a more difficult task to be honest. Yeah. Um, but you know, whatever but the point of bringing up Deacons is he, he doesn't always do exactly the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and he does try out all the new stuff. And, uh, that is one of the things that I like about him, even though he's a million years old. Um, <laughs> and there are other people like that who try out new stuff all the time. And I think that the world is better for that. Um, and yeah, uh, it's funny to hear. Yeah. I don't know if you ever listened to any of Deacons uh, podcast. I can, I can like stomach an episode like once every six months because it's, it's kind of rough. Um, you know, they talk in very old school terms. Like he talks about how he 
uh, laments being able to speak to colorists uh, by talking about um, points, uh, w- which is a reference to printer lights, which is not a thing people use anymore. Um, but he says something like, when I want like a point of yellow, what he's talking about is like a quarter of a stop of yellow increase in a particular highlighter midtone or whatever. Like, you could just say that, but you just, you like be an old for your old sake. But anyway, uh, people, people, <laughs> people in their habits, what are you going to do? Yeah, I, know. I mean, I've had supervisors say, take a point of green out. And I'm like, well, <sighs> let's think about that for a second. My grade um, now doesn't have points. <laughs> no. And, but, but I mean, here's the thing too. I, I'll, this is a bit of a digression, but, uh, for anybody else who's like, it must be nice to get a note like that, like of an, a specific value that you remove or add. Um, it's not really because it's a trap. Um, and if you work in the industry long enough, you understand that it's a trap and how it's a trap. You see, the trap is if someone says to reduce something by 10%, what they mean is they want a barely noticeable difference. So if you thinking you're just going to type in 10% and it ends up swinging the look a lot you submit that again because you did exactly what they asked you to do. Well, you're wrong. And if you do the same thing where they say, bring this up 30% and, and they say, we, we, we want to see it more. And then you bring it up 30% and it doesn't look anything. And you submit that again because you did exactly what they said. You are wrong again. You've fallen <laughs> for the trap again. What you need to do <laughs> is make sure that you can see a noticeable change, which might be 40 or 50%. Um, you need to use your own discretion. You can't just like go off of the numbers that they say. That is a pro tip for anyone who might actually be working in this industry at some point in the future mm. when all the strikes are over. So whatever. I appreciate that note because I am often on the other side of that. And I do my very best to like go actually put a note on something and be like, I actually want this to be 0.85 and I want that to be 0.9. And I will give those to people and say, literally do this and I will be happy. But there are other times where I am so busy where I'm like, this graphic is way too saturated. And I'm like, just this needs the saturation needs to be 0.9 or whatever. And then I get it back. And you know what happens when you do a 0.9 saturation on something that's it's extremely saturated. It still looks oversaturated when you get it back. You have to bring it down to like 0.6 to see the difference. Uh, So I wish more people would realize that it's a trap because I feel bad having to give the same note four times in a row where I go still too saturated, still too saturated, still too saturated. Use your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Use your, look at, look at the thing. Doesn't look right. See that red there. That doesn't look like any other red in the frame. Does it? Um, <laughs> does, that, does that look video safe to you? Um, uh, you know. I, I did just look because I had to, mm-hmm. uh, the exposure node, I think is probably like the oldest node that I can think of off the top of my head. And I, I set my parameters. So it, or my, uh, my preferences. So it, it defaults to stops, which I don't think is actually the default, but uh, normally uh, but it has stops lights densities and cineon as the uh the whatever the uh measurements that you can adjust uh, yeah so li- lights is that is that how you would adjust points no i mean i but uh <clears throat> to go back to what you were saying about that is yeah I, i've i've i also have it set to uh exposure too um because people do give notes about things and stops um yeah. and that kind of works because they'll often be reviewing things in a playback application where you can adjust an exposure in stops. Um, 
And so then you can give a more accurate note when you're doing that. Uh, whereas the note, I think, defaults to densities. And it's like, no, no one does that. Um, Wait, just why would you the, have that? Uh, the tooltip actually has mm-hmm. information here, which is incredible. Lights is printer light. So if you get a note of like, uh, take out a point of yellow, you can do that. Um, stops, obviously, power of two. Lights, printer lights. The the range on, I, I, no one's going to find this fascinating, except me. The range of the slider when it's on printer lights is from minus 40.919 to positive 40.919. I don't know what that applies to. Uh, densities is, uh, of course, uh, log 10 times the density of 0.6 gamma. I mean, that's a very normal mm-hmm. thing to use for. I do it all the time. <laughs> and then, uh, Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Log 10 times the density of 0.6 gamma negative stock. And then Cineon is offset of Cineon 10-bit log data. Uh, so we, all work, we all work with Cineon 10-bit log data. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember when Cineon was a, a software package? No. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, kids... <laughs> Um, I, we, we really got off the track cause we were talking about how fun and great Barbie was and yeah, no, it's fine. I was, I was expecting and hoping for this, this slight technical digression because I think it's mm-hmm. applicable, but the movie's fun. I mean, I don't know what more we need to say about it. Like, I, I'm not smart enough to be incisive about the, the feminist and masculine themes of the movie. Uh, there are plenty of reviews out there that talk about what she did and didn't say in the movie and how it is good slash bad. Um, I think it's a fun movie and I think it's got more than just some base surface level silliness. So, you know, um, if I had to level a criticism at all, uh, I think Ryan Gosling overdid it on the pectoral workout. (laughs) That weird little, like, bony sternum thing that reveals itself when people just do a little too much chest working out freaks me out man okay i mean his, his <laughs> eyes are up here dan uh so <laughs> his shirt is open for the entire movie although his rollerblades the bright yellow rollerblades are spectacular yeah i i liked uh it didn't it didn't make a, a lot of sense it seemed like the uh the scene of them going to the real world um and the opposite of that later uh, is heavily inspired by Will Ferrell and Elf going to the real world, um, like leaving the Rankin Bass kind of situation into reality. And like they have their little like toy diorama stuff that they travel through. And it doesn't they even talk about how it like, how did we get in these clothes? How do we do this? And, and it's not supposed to make any sense. They're just going from vignette to vignette. Like they're not actually changing what they're wearing, but their clothes do change. Um, and then when they get into, when they get to Venice beach um, and they're in their rollerblading outfits uh, being ogled uh, like, that's pretty funny. And like, how did they, where were they keeping those? Um, but then they change Again, um, there's some costume changes in here that happen off screen where you're just like, when did you do that? And so they they go to the store and they get the cowboy outfit and they steal the cowboy outfit, but then they get to keep the cowboy outfit because they released from the police department because they thought it was so funny. Um, That's not really how stealing works or police or fingerprinting or whatever, but it doesn't matter because it's just supposed to be funny. Um, And uh, that's, you know, cute stuff that's in here. Um, There's minor quibbles with the geography of Los Angeles uh, as per usual, because <laughs> the police station seems to be the Venice high school, um, which is uh, a high school, not a police station. And then the high school that they go to is f- far. 
um, from Venice Beach. And like they go to Century City and they, like they move around quite a bit. Um, but uh, and then for some reason, the car chase from the Mattel offices has them driving through downtown uh, sort of. But I don't it doesn't matter. Um, so anyway, they uh, and I have to say probably the th- biggest thing that disappointed me speaking of the car chase is the heavy heavy marketing for a certain chevrolet vehicle um i didn't the, think it was as bad as people were saying it was before i saw the movie it, it's not organic feeling um mostly because it also seems like they didn't have a working prototype of the car so they had a digital version of the blazer um it didn't, at least it didn't look, uh, let's just say it looked a little crisp. Um, but, uh, yeah. That's that the was... kind of crispness you can expect from Chevy. Mm-hmm. Merry crispness. Uh, but. American made. Mm-hmm. They, uh, American made without CarPlay. Um, but then they, you know, they go <laughs> back to, uh, Barbie land. And I, th- I thought it was pretty funny how. Barbie land had been turned upside down into the real world. Um, it didn't make a ton of sense how toys were getting manufactured based on the Ken stuff, but whatever. No, I um, like that. It was a funny mechanism where whatever they were doing in Barbie land just was on the shelves randomly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when Will Ferrell's like uh, talking to America Ferrer about how it's a terrible idea to have ordinary mm-hmm. Barbie and then turns around and the guy with the iPad's like, no, it's selling great. He's like, oh, cool. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, but, but then we also have like, uh, there's a little bit of an editing thing that I, I don't know if it bothered you too, but I, I, there's a part of my brain that when we leave a set of characters and we go to another set of characters, part of my brain is keeping track of time that's passing for the other characters. Um, and so in the end of this movie, uh, hot on the heels of America Ferrera, Sasha, and Margot Robbie is Will Ferrell and the executives. And somehow Will Ferrell and the executives don't arrive for several days in Barbie land. Um, that's not entirely explained, but through the magic of editing, <laughs> a tremendous amount of time has elapsed between those two things. a lot of rollerblades and uh, uh, multi-person bicycles to find. Yeah, so that that was another little quibble. It was just like they they didn't they wanted to have them being chased, but they didn't know how to um, actually coherently put it in the movie because they wanted to have a lot of stuff that happens at Barbie Land before Will Ferrell shows up at the end. Um, and they do a lot of stuff in there. I like the dance number. Um, mm-hmm. The I like uh, all the stuff like the power ballad. Uh, I like all the incorrect lessons that the kens learned um and the the <laughs> my favorite thing was the uh the godfather thing oh i was just about to say that yeah that just was so, so good. good just explain the godfather to you <laughs> um, i'm watching the godfather i've never <laughs> seen it before it's just uh, the the funniest trap ever yeah it was that was quite good and I, I like, like I said, liked all the Barbies, um, liked uh, Weird Barbie. Uh, I thought that was a good touch. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it didn't need to like make sense that there was one weird Barbie out in the world that matched up to that weird Barbie or something like that. But it was just like sort of the embodiment of all weird Barbies. Anyway, it didn't. Oh, yeah, it thank didn't... God there was no post credit scene where uh, Margot Robbie met up with more 
I guess it wouldn't be outside the world Barbies, but more like owners of the Barbies that were being played with. Yeah, I I liked um there I I like the trend that's going on now where as a reaction to the gross abuse of mid-credit scenes, um they're not in most of the movies that we're seeing these days. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. How and I also like the fact that everyone is so scared to leave because they'll miss a mid credit scene. They'll sit yeah. through all of the credits and it's just like, ha, we walked slowly <laughs> down the stairs and I was like, Did, there's like four seconds of credits. left. we can just stand here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Nothing there. Um, before I forget, I did want to mention the, I, I saw the meme going around and I didn't know if it was actually straight up in the movie or not, but it is. But the, uh, the, the, the still frame of Margot Robbie saying, do you, do you ever think of death is mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. You missed that in the movie. No, 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 I saw it in the movie, but oh. I saw the I saw the the meme going around before the movie, and I was like, "Is that really just what happens in the movie, or is somebody like doing a doing a joke here?" Oh yeah, you guys ever think about dying? Um, yeah, so good. Yeah, it's very good. I like that, uh, and and it's funny because she's under distress. Um, I I also like the fact that um, the movie. I wasn't sure what they were doing when they were dropping her off in Santa Monica at the end, because um, I thought that they were going to be dropping her off. So that uh, she would, uh, like, be, she was on her way to her first job or something like that. Yeah. And then when she shows up at the desk, I was just, and she says she's she's there for her gynecology appointment. I was just like, oh, that's the perfect way to end this. Like that, she's a she's a real woman. So you know that makes sense. So Got it. She's a real boy now. Mm-hmm. No, opposite. Not the same thing. No, not a Pinocchio. Mm-mm. Because you use plastic instead of wood. Are they made uh, out of plastic or are they made out of like a vinyl? It's a plastic question mark. Hmm. Uh, did, you have I a, don't... did you ever have a Barbie and or Ken? No. Did you? I did not. No. I mean, see, I... Amanda definitely did. I think she probably still has some of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had action figures as one did in the 80s. Um, style at the time. But uh, I did not have a Barbie. I did have a My Little Pony pony uh, at one point. It's now, purple, so whatever one that one was. If you had a My Little Pony, mm-hmm. you remember the smell? Uh, yeah, it was kind of like a, I don't know how to describe it, like chemically bubblegummy kind of... It was like a sweet plastic smell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't plastic know, dessert. I, I don't know what that smell is. I never had a My mm-hmm. Little Pony. I think uh, the the neighbor kids did, and that's why I know what the smell is. But there there have been, I think, two or three times in my life as an adult where I've been walking around and I go, that is the smell of a My Little Pony. What is that and where is that coming from? Like It is such a distinct, specific smell. It is, mm-hmm. it is, it is burned into my brain after having smelled it like three times when I was like well, I'm sure whatever eight. chemicals they do to make that smell do that. Yeah. Um, yeah uh yeah i don't i don't know what it is but they they are definitely off gassing um something uh carcinogenic probably Mm -hmm. but uh it is it is a distinct aroma um that i don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just because of the cheap plastics but uh but it's it's something um could be both yeah but yeah i don't uh, i don't know what a barbie smells like Mm -mm. um yeah i don't know i think my sister had one maybe but I don't recall anything about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Stereotypical Barbie or uh, one of the the, the job related ones? 
Well, I mean, it was the 80s or early 90s that she would have had it. So it would be. It was well into the era of everything being kind of like specific, um, I feel like. So I think she probably was specific about something, but I think it was blonde. Um, cause ah, they were blonde, lar- blonde Barbie. I remember blonde Barbie. They were, they were largely blonde. <laughs> yeah. N- yeah. Because that was kind of like what it was for a long time. And then everybody got all outraged when they started like making. Remember the outrage when they're like more realistic proportion Barbie and everybody like lost it um, in the news. And they were just like news cycles about like changing the proportions of Barbie. And it's just like, oh, my God, people. Ugh, who cares? This Barbie has different colored hair. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, movies. Yeah. We love them. Go out to the theaters and see. I don't care if you see it in a movie theater or not. No, a bit. How was your first venture uh, into a movie theater since since uh, what, what was the last thing you probably saw? Like Knives Out. <laughs> um, uh, it. I was trying to remember this because it, there haven't been many things. I think I saw Sonic the Hedgehog before the lockdown, and I think I saw one thing when things started to ease up in like that October to January. A uh, little bit of a gap we had after the after the first major wave. Um, let me see if I can figure out what it was really quick. So, okay, so I saw a Quiet Place Part Two in July of 2021, uh, and then I know I saw Sonic the Hedgehog in like February of 2020, but that was a different theater. And then before that, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 2019. So there you go. Um, anyway, the experience, we saw it at a dine-in theater, just because it is the nearest to my mother's home, where we were leaving the child for two hours. Uh, and we were hungry, because you gotta multitask when you have two and a half hours away from a child. Uh, so I had some pretzel bites, and half of a chicken quesadilla during the, uh, previews of the movie. And then, uh, I had some popcorn and, uh, uh, junior mints and red vines. Um, I was very disappointed that this movie theater did not sell ICs, uh, and they, in fact, did not have uh, humans working the concessions. It was just a computer, and then they would bring it to you at your your designated seat, uh, and you would just take your waters and sodas out of a little refrigerator on the honor system, apparently. Uh, But they did have somebody working at the counter because there was a full bar in the lobby, a very nice-looking bar, to be honest, because this is Scottsdale. Um, but uh, I think because of the nature of the fact that it is a dine-in theater where they get the little swing-out, like, creaky table to put your food on, uh, the uh, the chairs only rock. They did not recline, and I was very disappointed in that because uh, it's 2023. How are you going to have a, a movie theater seat where I'm paying you all this money and I can't put my feet up? Um, but at least there was, you know, three cup holders for our two seats, and there was a reasonable amount of space between me and the people next to me because they're all just, like, two-seat groupings. Uh, it had lots of lots of leg room because uh, it was Nile uh, in front of me and then to the side, uh, so it was fine. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not big on dining in movie theater experiences. Uh, I find it a little distracting. Yeah, um, everyone's got a little lamp over their shoulder. It's not great. Yeah, so I don't gravitate towards those. I do like a movie theater where they have a bar because then you can get your little overpriced beverage of choice uh, yeah. before you go see the movie theater. And because it's a movie, you're going to have one. 
because you don't want to go pee in the middle of it. And it's going to be a two or three hour movie. Um, so I enjoy that part of it. And the only movies that I have seen during, well, since March of 2020, um, is, uh, I saw, uh, everything everywhere all at once at the landmark in, uh, Westwood, um, which is in a dead mall. Um, and they were actually ripping the escalator out. It was very depressing to go mm-hmm. to that movie theater at the time. Um, and then the, uh, nearish to where I currently live, there's another landmark that used to be, uh, I think a LaMille, uh, theater or something. So it's like one of the smaller old art deco movie houses. So they're like no big screens, no, none of that stuff. Um, but totally gutted for seats and those are replaced with the like big fancy recliners that are automated like with the little buttons on the side like you're in business class yeah um so that was very nice and i saw uh spider-verse 2 there um across Mm -hmm. spider-verse and i saw uh this movie with Jason there and Jason thought it was the most run down, terrible movie theater he'd ever been to. And it's nothing <laughs> to hold a candle to arc light. And I was just like, this is fine. Like, I don't know where your expectations are coming from. Um, as long as my shoes stay on my yeah. feet with a sticky floor, like it's pretty okay. Yeah. And we were at a 4 PM showing on a Saturday afternoon in Pasadena. So, um, the only other people in the movie theater and the, after it'd been out for three weeks and the only other people in the movie theater are, are, uh, let's say between the ages of 60 and 90. Um, oh, wow. See, it, this is, that's the very opposite here. We were, our theater was still full. Uh, there were a lot of kids and parents of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I guess we should both say that we, uh, I was unable to get tickets a week or a week before. I forget, were you unable to, or were you just not able to go? I was not able to go because I was informed that I couldn't go because Jason wanted to see it. And I said, this is a lie. You don't actually really want to see it. <laughs> you 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 think you want to see it, but you don't actually want to go to a movie theater. And then I was he proven right. to spend time with you. I was, I, was both, <laughs> I was both right and wrong because I, w- I was correct in that he was going to hate the movie theater experience and waiting to go see it and everything about that process. But... I was wrong in that he actually followed through and went to go see it. Um, and it wasn't just something where he was going to hold me hostage for, for wherever and t- until we saw, sat on an airplane to watch it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't I showed you. Yeah, I know. And, and so I said, never again, no, <laughs> no more movies with you. Uh, and he said, no, you don't understand. I will never watch a movie in a movie theater again. I said, no, you don't understand. You're not allowed to even hint that you might ever. And so like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to, uh, join uh, hands and go to a movie theater in the future. <laughs> Just uh, I don't know. I guess you should build your theater room so you can have that theater experience at home and call it a day. He doesn't want to watch stuff at home either. What does he do at home? He just watches cooking YouTubes and falls asleep on the couch. Is he me? <laughs> what is he? He's not. He's not. Uh... I don't know. He, I, I, he's he's not interested in narrative television. It is too stressful. He feels like he's younger and more full of life than I am. And yet, that is precisely what I do. I uh, I sit on the couch and I start one video about a car or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I am uh, awakened with a gasp when I realize that I have blacked out for 15 minutes in the middle of it. 
uh, and then uh, there's there's like three seconds, and then the video ends. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna walk the dog and go to bed. Yeah. Well, you know, there's only so much Throttle House and uh, stuff that you can watch. What's the Throttle House? Is that a cooking thing? Oh, I thought you said you watched car stuff. I I, I occasionally watch uh, Doug review cars. Oh yeah, see, I we we started with Doug, um, but then Doug was bringing in riffraff into the channel um yeah i don't watch those no i can't watch those um but they they show up all the time it's very annoying um did you watch the miata one did you watch the miata one no he posted the miata one like a week after i sold my miata and i was very sad oh oh we know i think i did it was the the miata nc or yeah, something N- yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i watched that, yeah, one. that one that's the yeah one. yeah i thought i thought about you when i was watching it because i was just he was talking about how un- unlovable that car was um mm-hmm. but that was my car except you know I didn't realize until I watched that video that I had the very first year that the car had ever existed. Uh, he was reviewing the last year. Yeah. So you had the, you didn't have the smiley face. I did not have the smiley face. I mm-hmm. had the, the old body with the base level. I had the, the sad five speed that was uh, slow and without all the features, um, mm-hmm. but I, it was still a very lovable car. I enjoyed it. Well, he said the internet said it's too slow. It's definitely too slow, but mm-hmm. it's still fun. Yeah. See, the thing about that car is, you're not speeding up and slowing down a lot. That's not where the fun is. The fun is staying at a speed and uh, turning the car. Yeah. Sounds curvy fun. Curvy bits. Curvy yeah. bits. You love your curvy <sighs> bits. All right. So on that note. Uh, we rate this movie. Four stars. Yeah, sure. Four, four out of five stars. Agree. Mm-hmm. The Trident is whatever. Two thumbs up. Uh, don't sue us. Um, whoever has the rights thumbs. to that. <laughs> no, it, it's a whole thing. Like uh, Ebert and Roper or whatever had like, it's a, it was a whole thing. Like they would go after people. Um, you can't use the thumbs. Mm-hmm. I can use my thumbs. Right. I'm a human. <laughs> well, I'm opposed. How's that sound? And you got mad at me for my pun. Mm it wasn't even really a pun i guess technically yeah kind of was mm-hmm. anyway anyway push the button that says we're done we're done talk about that uh the guardian article we kind of alluded to the situation brought up by the us talking about that guardian article um with someone else before uh the uh the one where it, it talked about uh they're doing everything real now just like they did in the old days and it was a f- the photo at the top of the article is literally <laughs> 
Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling in the car with an enormous blue screen behind them. Um, and it just blew my mind uh, when I saw that. It just like, what is up with you people? But um, that, that that was kind of like the, the the reason we brought up all that stuff that we did. Yeah. Um, I don't think I yeah. even read that article, but I just, I saw that and it's just like... Yeah. Well, like buried deep down in the article, they're like, and sometimes they do certain visual effects that are, you know, uh, not or uh they do certain visual effects to like do set extensions or something to make the world blah 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 and it's just like you're saying that way the hell down here in like the 17th paragraph in this you like you you are burying the lead so to speak of like how these are all tools and like people make decisions and the important part is you make some sort of decision and you have some taste um and you use the right tool for the right job did they just <sighs> not have anything else to, like to say about them like what this, this is not interesting I, it, it it gets clicks from the the it gets clicks from the film nerds um who the the, the cinephiles who are all obsessed about uh di- digital being bad because digital is marvel digital is star wars digital is disney digital is you know that kind of stuff and it's just like but you guys don't get it like that's not it's not all that digital is like all the stuff that you root for has been like it, it has been turned to you know ones and zeros at some point except except the notable exception of christopher nolan hand cutting um celluloid and and putting it together again um but uh maybe but, he just wants to be like tyler Durden and occasionally splice in a big wiener i don't think that he does that but that would be pretty <laughs> funny that was his end game mm-hmm. somewhere out there there is one 70 millimeter print of each of his movies that has some dude's junk in it. Maybe it's his. Yeah, it's, it's like as the bomb's going off, boop, one. <laughs> Nobody knows they one saw it, but they saw yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> 